1: That's what John is writing. Listen, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know these things. So he's he wants to assure them, but he's also putting these checks in there. He says, I haven't written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That's the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the father either he who acknowledges the son has the father it matters what you believe about jesus christ
0: today pastor david reminds you that what you believe about jesus christ matters you cannot just broadly say that you believe in god and then assume you are heaven bound jesus is the answer if you believe he came from heaven died on the cross for your sins and was resurrected again you will be saved there's no other way Even the devil and his demons believe in God, but they are destined for hell. Choose Jesus, and you can know with certainty that you are saved, and the kingdom of heaven awaits. Now here's Pastor David in the books of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Jude, as he continues his message apostate or real.
1: you see, I believe it's wide open. His sin, not just for our sins, but for the whole world. Now, here we come again. Here's one of these tests. It's by this that we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and yet does not keep his commandments, John says, you're a liar. And the truth is not in him. Whoever keeps his word Truly, the love of God is perfected in him, and by this, that's how we know that we are in him, because we're obedient. So what happens when we're unobedient? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. That's when we sin. But beloved, we cannot just complete say, well, yeah, but I just don't keep any of the commandments, and I'm going to live any way that I want. That's not what he's writing here. Don't even go that direction. He says there is a test that you and I ought to see in our lives. Are we striving, are we desiring to keep that moral test, to pass that moral test, to pass that social test, to pass that doctrinal test? Every once in a while we struggle, every once in a while we stumble, we've got an advocate with the Father. It's not that we lose our salvation. It's that once again, we've got to go back, again, confessing our sins, restoring that fellowship with him. He who abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. He says, I'm not writing to you a new commandment, but it's an old commandment. You've had it since the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. And again, a new commandment I will write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. We're not in ignorance anymore. If you are a believer, you're no longer in darkness. You ought to be in the light because the Holy Spirit is abiding in you. The Holy Spirit revealing his word to you. No longer in the darkness, the darkness passing away. But you know what? Verse 9, if you say that you're in the light and yet you hate your brother, guess what? You're still in the darkness. But he that loves his brother actually abides in the light, and there's no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going. Why? Because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Sin has blinded his eyes. That's why the word says, man, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Do you pass these tests? Ah, oh, man, I, I, I failed that one today. Have you confessed it? Have you gone back to the Father? Have you made it right? Have you made reconciliation if necessary? Have you repented of it? If you can continue to walk in failure of the moral and the social and the doctrinal tests that John has here, I, I say in, in, in accordance with God's word, I don't care what you prayed 10 years ago or 20 years ago, you're not in the light, and that's according to his word. Yeah, this is heavy stuff. Here in verse 12 through 14, some say, well, this is almost like a... hymn or a writing you know, that was common among the believers. He puts the believers in, in three different categories. As children, as fathers, as young men. Children we can look at again as very immature, new believers in Christ. Uh, the fathers, those that have been believers, they're mature in their walk. They've been on that journey for a while. And then the young men, they're, they're the ones that are right in the middle of it right now. They're, they're growing, they're struggling, they're having victory, they're, they get a failure but they continue to press on again for the glory of Christ. He says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Man, that's just an assurance. And your sin is forgiven. you come by faith to Christ. He says, I write to you, fathers. Why? Because you've known him. You've had a relationship with him, and you're growing in that, and your maturity shows that. I write to you, young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. You've got this daily battle. You're you're not quite all mature yet. You're still struggling in your walk, but you're seeing, again, you're able to overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you've known the Father, just the sweetness of that. I write to you, fathers, because you've known him once again, who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, Because you are strong. The word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. Again, it it just seems like it's a a song or a hymn or just a, a word of encouragement there. But look at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, you failed the moral test. And the love of the Father is not in you. Because all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that's not of the Father, but it is of the world. And many have taken this and said, man, that's just like the, again, the the temptations of Christ uh, there in the the wilderness, just after his baptism. uh, that, that, That lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's the same tricks that the enemy's been throwing at us. since, Since the beginning, guys, since the very beginning, the lust of our flesh, the desires of our eyes, the greed, all that's there, the pride of our life getting in the way. He says the world's passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Little children, this is the last hour you've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Well, even now, there's a lot of Antichrists here. Not with a capital I, but there's a lot that are just against Christ. That's how you know that it's the last time. Well, if John is writing at around uh, uh, 70 or even after the fall of the temple, 80 A.D., and he's saying the last hour is in, guess what, guys? We're still in the last hour. We're just in the last of the last hour. And if the Antichrist were then you know that there's even more now, again, preaching falsehoods and trying to drag them away. But catch what he says, because this is of utmost importance, verse 19. They went out from us, these deceivers, these false teachers, these that are, John says, they are anti-Christ, they are against Christ. These went out from us, but they were not of us. In other words, they came out of the church. but He says they weren't truly born again. They, they, they might have been taking a place in a pew or a chair, but they weren't taking up a place within the kingdom of God. He said they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. What does that speak about? The perseverance of the saints. If you're truly born again, He says, if they were with us, they would not have gone out. But these did go out that they might be made manifest. In other words, that everybody might know that none of them were of us. I've heard stories of, well, what about such and such an individual, man? He had uh, been with Billy Graham for years and years and years. He was a powerful evangelist. He was a preacher of the Word. The witness of his life was so strong as a believer. And then yet, in his older age, he walked away from the Lord. And as a matter of fact, he, he even cursed the things of the church and, and of the Word of God. Did, did he fall out of salvation? You know, according to what I read in the Word of God, He went out of us, but he was not of us. But how could he have said all those things? How could he have done all of those things? Listen, God spoke through Balaam's donkey. God even spoke through Balaam. So let's bring the real deal the real deal. It's not because an individual is ordained not even because they have a big church not even because they have a big ministry or any it is our relationship with Jesus Christ and God almighty and are we passing that moral test that social test that doctrinal test not in order that we would be saved, but guys, that's our assurance that I am saved. And if I look at my life and I'm examining my life and man, I'm, well, I'm okay there, but I'm really blowing this one and I'm not doing so good on this one either, then maybe I really need to have a heart to heart with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe I need to shut off everything and get down on my knees and find out where my eternity really sits at this point in time. That's what John is writing. Listen, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know these things. So he wants to assure them, but he's also putting these checks in there. He says, I haven't written you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? That's the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father. It matters what you believe about Jesus Christ. Anybody come knocking on your door, the very first question you need to ask is, who is Jesus to you? Because that's where it's got to go. That's where it's got to go. They could be as nice and kind and loving and concerned for your life, but if they don't have Jesus right, they ain't got nothing. Bad English, good theology. Okay. (laughs) Let me skip on uh, down to verse 26. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But then once again, his encouragement is, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Again, that perseverance, that connectedness, that holding power of God Almighty in our life. Chapter three, behold what matter of love the Father has bestowed on us. That we get to be called God's kids, children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because It doesn't know him. Beloved, now we are, and again, this word of assurance to them. Now we are children of God, and it hasn't yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, what? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, that doesn't mean we become gods. That's not what he's saying there. We become eternal. The corruption of the flesh is done away with. And that's why he says everyone who has his hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, you keep making the right choices, the choices and the determination. I want to live my life for Christ. And when you fail, when you fail, remember you have an advocate with the Father. Not an excuse, not a get-out-of-jail-free card, but the reality, coming back and getting your life right with him. Oh, there's so much in here. Look over in verse 18 of chapter 3. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue. You See what he's saying there? Our life can't be just on the outside, but in deed and in truth. It's got to be the reality of our life. By this, we know that we are of the truth. And it'll assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. But beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have great confidence toward God. And then whatever ask we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, love and love one another as he gave us commandment. Down in verse 24. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. That's part, again, of that moral test, doing the right thing. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the Spirit's. Rather, they, of, they are of God. Oh, skip down uh, verse 4. Uh, you are of God, little children. You've overcome these, these who are the antichrist, these who are the wickedness of, because he who is in you is what, church? Greater. Greater is he than it's in the world. More powerful. A lot of times we don't feel more powerful. But you know, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about walking in the reality of the power of Christ working in us. Walking in that reality. And I got to tell you sometimes I I struggle to keep that reality before me. And the enemy comes and beats beats you up and all of a sudden you got to stop and say, "Wait a minute." Wait a minute. John says that I'm one of God's kids. And his spirit abides in me, and greater is he that's in me than anything this world can throw at me. And beloved, I guarantee you, the world's going to throw a lot at you. But greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. But he who does not love does not know God. Can we back that up again? He who Who does not love does not know God. Well, pastor, I'm just not a loving guy, you know, and I'm just kind of rough on the exterior, and I just don't really, yeah. Well, you know what? Your heart needs to be changed. You need to turn in that heart of stone and receive that heart of flesh. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved Him, but that He loved us and sent His Son once again to be the propitiation. The only two times in the Bible that word's used here in John. Propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved you, you don't have an excuse but to love one another. Down 17, love has been perfected among us in this, in order that we might have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We We should have no fear as a believer of eternity. And if you have a fear of eternity, then maybe what you need to do is, again, examine yourself. Do that check. Say, why why would I fear coming into the presence of my Father? Well, what he said in verse 20, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, oh, yeah, he's a liar. And he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he really love God whom he has not seen? That's part of the social test. Verse 5, verse or chapter 5, verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. That's part of the doctrinal test. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. That's part of the moral test. And who verse five, who is he who overcomes the world? but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 13 of chapter 5. That's why I've written these things to you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have eternal life, that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God in order that you might have that confidence, that assurance. Second John is a letter... Once again, an encouragement to the church to continue to walk in truth, as he says in verse 4. I plead with you, lady, I believe he's speaking to the church, not as though I write a new commandment to you, but that which we had from the beginning, that we what? Love one another. And again, he speaks of that love. Look at verse 7. There are many deceivers that have gone out from the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver, this is the antichrist. Verse 9, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. I need to stop right there and say, if someone of a false doctrine comes and you are strong enough in your faith to be able to share your faith truly with them, to be able to sit with them and speak the truth with them, that's not what John is saying. John is saying don't, don't invite them into your presence, don't invite their doctrine, don't invite their teaching into your presence. There's a lot of good, God-loving, God-desiring lost people in this world that are filled with untruth. We who have the truth ought to be able to speak to them. Third John. I'm writing to my friend Gaius, whom I love in truth. Very personal letter. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. So he sees Gaius and he knows, here's a guy strong in the Lord. Maybe he's having some physical issues. And I, I pray your health gets just as good as your spirit is. I pray that you get strengthened in that. That's what he's saying to him here. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and they testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. And John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. There was another guy there at that church where Gaius was, uh, Diotrephes, that, that again, he, he speaks against John, he pushes against John, but Gaius is a good guy. Demetrius, uh, down in verse 12, has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. We also bear witness, and you know that our testimony is true. And he says, verse 13, man, I, I got a lot of things to write you, but I don't want to do this just uh, on an email, okay? I'm actually going to come over. I want to see you shortly in order that we might speak face to face. Oh, peace to you. All of our friends greet you and greet all of the friends. By he, doesn't, he doesn't list any names, but I believe he knows all those names. He calls out the name of uh, Diotrephes, the, the guy that's the bad guy. John has no problem naming names. Paul has no problem in naming names. These guys that are damaging to the church. I don't think we ought to be afraid of naming names when, again, false teachers began to impact the body of Christ. Open our us from within by the open
0: word. As our time with you today winds down, we'd like to share where you can listen to today's message again. You'll find this and other teachings from Pastor David and The Open Word at theopenword.com Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an edition of the program. Right now, let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick message from the heart.
1: Hello, friend. I'm so glad you joined in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. He's the reason I teach every week at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. I want as many people as possible to know and believe the message of the gospel. If you'd like to know more about what Jesus' life and death means to you, I'd encourage you to call us. We have some great people here who would love to pray with you and answer your questions. Our number is 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520 836 9676. Know that I'm praying for you too, and I value you greatly as a listener and brother or
0: sister in Christ. Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to invite you to come see us in person as well at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. We have services every Saturday, Sunday, and Wednesday, and you'll be able to find more information at theopenword.com. Just click the church link at the bottom of the page. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Join us next time to continue our journey through the Bible right here on The Open Word.